people really want the truth? Can you handle the truth? Y'all are gonna have to calm yourselves or you won't make it through the hour. Because he's in the building! Hello and welcome to season two of Late Do You Remember This, a podcast where we look back on all the stories from Hollywood's best worst decade, the early 2000s, a time in history when America found out that with a trust fund, a sex tape, and a dream, you too could become a star. I'm your host, Dara Lane, with part two of our episode on the relationship of Katie Holmes and Tom Cruise. In April 2005, the issue of Seventeen had come out and Tom's handlers caught wind of the article. They brought Katie in under the pretenses of auditioning for Mission Impossible 3, but they secretly had her in mind for an entirely different mission altogether. After the meeting, everyone was smitten with Katie. She was beautiful and poised. Most importantly, she seemed impressionable. Deb Bear, who interviewed Katie for the fateful Seventeen article, and then again for a Cosmo Girl piece, noted years later that Katie seemed like, quote, easy prey. She said that she was the nicest celebrity she ever interviewed, but appeared naive and a questionable judge of character. All clues point to Katie being an earnest person, a Lizzie McGuire type. In high school, she had the opportunity to fly out from Toledo, Ohio to LA to audition for Dawson's Creek. She turned it down because she was playing Lola in Damn Yankees at her high school and didn't want to disappoint her friends by missing a performance. The producers were shocked, but her purity paid off when she got the role based off of a VHS self-tape. This time, her guilelessness would open her up to be manipulated by a cult. After Katie was approved, her relationship with Tom took off fast. She dumped Chris Klein and then two weeks later went out publicly with Tom, who was somewhat notorious for taking women on extravagant first dates. Dates so elaborate that if a normal man did the same thing, you would worry that he's a desperate nut. In hindsight, Katie should have worried about that with Tom too. On one of their first dates, Tom and Katie ate sushi on his plane, then he took her out on his motorcycle around Santa Monica. Later, he sent a limousine full of flowers and chocolate to her apartment, which is so impossibly lame. The Venn diagram of people who would find that romantic and the people susceptible to joining a cult is pretty much just one circle. It only took a couple grand gestures for Katie to fall into the Tom trap hook, line, and sinker. Both Tom and Katie were doing press for films, Tom with War of the Worlds and Katie with Batman Returns. They ended up joining each other for many of their appearances, talking less about the movies and more about how obsessed they were with each other. Soon, the tabloids christened them with their celebrity name mashup, Tomcat. Then, in May 2005, only a month after they started dating, Tom appeared on The Oprah Show. Tom was at my legends, but Tom brought along his new girlfriend, actress Katie Holmes, to the party. Now, you and Katie look like, look at this, look like you were having a very good time. And I have to say to you, I've known you for quite a while, 
and we've spent some hours yes. together. Yes. And I have ne you are such a, a, an intensely, I mean intensely, <laughs> intensely, intense, intense, <laughs> intense, but an intensely private person. Yeah. And then now you are just out everywhere, kissing and a hugging. I was on the <laughs> Honest to goodness, I was on the dance floor. I looked over and I saw her doing this to you. <laughs> she was doing that to you, and you all were like, I, I, I go, what has happened to you? What has happened to you? As you probably remember, people went insane over it, almost as insane as those horny middle-aged suburban mothers in the audience did. This was a real turning point for Tom Cruise. People thought that this appearance was strange, and it caused him to start losing respect as an A-list actor. Everyone was parodying the appearance, including Family Guy and even Sesame Street. Hello, friends. Welcome to the O Show, where we celebrate all things that began with the letter O. My first guest loves breakfast as much as I love the letter O. Please welcome Otto the Orangutan. Oh, I'm in love. <laughs> I love oatmeal and omelets. <laughs> well, that's obvious. Who introduced you to these healthy foods, Otto? Dr. Oswald recommended that I eat a healthy breakfast. It was love at first bite. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if Dr. Oswald also recommends you take green coffee supplements available for purchase through his website. The Oprah Show appearance was also a turning point in pop culture. Celebrity gossip blogs were just starting to pick up steam, and many people believe that this interview accelerated it. Elaine Liu of influential gossip blog Lainey Gossip observed, Celebrities were not being contained the way they used to be, and the People and Entertainment Tonight coverage just wasn't cutting it anymore. Not when these illusions were so quickly being destroyed. This incident became one of the most critical chapters in the origin story of internet gossip. Despite the embarrassment and ridicule, Katie and Tom's appearances did not slow down that summer. You couldn't get away from them. In June, Katie presents Tom with the very real and very important Generation Honor at the MTV Movie Awards. Hi. I'm here tonight to present the first MTV Generation Award to an extraordinary artist. <laughs> okay. Do people really want the truth? <laughs> Can you handle the truth? Well, the truth is, is that most of us first met this man when he was dancing in his underwear and feeling the need for speed. Tom creates another infamous pop culture moment during the Matt Lauer interview you heard in part one of this episode. A less publicized, but still entirely weird interview was published in W Magazine in August of 2005. In the article, the journalist explains that it was impossible to get Katie to talk about anything other than Tom. She was also accompanied by a Scientology handler who would step in to answer or deflect questions for Katie when the conversation veered towards anything critical or probing. By the description, you can tell that Katie has gone 
full Kool-Aid. Like she now has a Tom Cruise shaped lobotomy hole in her brain. The entire article is on the internet and I think worth a read for interested parties, but here is a choice excerpt I'd love to read for you. A security guard lumbers into the dressing room and presents Holmes with a giant silver box tied in a thick purple ribbon. A small crowd gathers to watch her gleefully tear open the package and pluck out a Chanel diamond necklace, a gift, naturally, from Cruz. He's my man! He's my man! She screams, then jumps up on her chair to do an impression of her fiancé's now famous sofa shtick from Oprah. People begin to cheer. This is your moment, cries the manicurist. I can do splits too, Holmes says, jumping down and splaying herself across the floor. The only adult who can start doing the splits in public without it being an indictment of their mental health is Kyle Richards. For her, the splits are just a relic of her Baby June-style upbringing, which probably didn't do any favors for her mental health. In the case of Katie, it is more worrisome. However, the public and media seemed less concerned about her being pulled into a cult by a charismatic and controlling movie star, and more suspicious of both of their motives. They made a showing of their relationship that no one had done before or since, and I am counting Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande. Laying it on so thick ended up doing the opposite of what they intended. Instead of convincing people of their love, it made everyone start to question whether the relationship was a scam. Was the relationship between Tom and Katie all a lie? Who can say? But if I can say, I will say yes, it was a sham marriage. I think both sides had a lot to gain from the union. I'm willing to bet that Katie was probably in love with him for a time, or at least in love with the idea of him. Her childhood dream of marrying Tom Cruise came true. Plus, Tom is notoriously a very charismatic man in person. I've heard firsthand that he makes every person he meets, no matter who they are, feel important. Which is a tactic of Scientology, but also a trait that sets you up to be a movie star. I can only imagine what it feels like to be the woman in his life with all that focus on you. Probably suffocating, but some women are into that. Katie stood to gain an elevation in her career by marrying up. Unfortunately, her relationship with Tom only helped make her famous, but not a movie star. In fact, as soon as she met him, she started giving up roles at his behest. She was attached to play Edie Sedgwick in Factory Girl, but she pulled out of the project, allegedly because the themes of the film did not align with her new religion. Batman Begins and Thank You for Smoking come out in 2005, both filmed before Tom. After that, she doesn't have another project come out until 2008, then another in 2010. Marrying Tom immobilized her career at a time when she had the most relevancy. Whether he stopped her from taking roles or people didn't want to hire her because of the bizarre press she was getting, either way, she didn't benefit from the union the way she thought she would. So what was it that Tom wanted from her? The most obvious guess is a beard. There was rampant speculation that Tom was in the closet, which I can't particularly pinpoint why. Both Tom and fellow Scientologist John Travolta have had their sexuality questioned. Scientology is anti-gay, and if the two men were gay, it would make sense that the church would want to hide that. The difference between the two of them is John Travolta has been caught in specific incidents where he has sexually pursued another man. Tom, as far as I've found, has not. No one he's been in a relationship with has ever intimated that he was gay. Not even his former lover Cher. Yes, 
he dated Cher when she was 39 and he was 23. Out of all of your old flames, who was your all-time best lover? Well, they kind of, a lot of them kind of came in first. Really? Yeah. Who comes to mind? I've had just the greatest lovers ever. Where did, where did, where did Tom Cruise rank on that list? Well, he was in the top five. Really? Top five, and that's a list. Yeah, well, that's yeah. a list. Okay. Of course, he still could be gay or bi, or maybe he likes to dabble at his own discretion. Imagine what it must have felt like for him and his male co-star when they perfectly executed the bartending stunt choreography and cocktail. Who among us would not feel a consuming, albeit confusing, attraction and yearning after pulling off something so exhilarating? People take Molly to feel that alive. I am definitely not saying that anything happened between them, just offering a hypothetical possibility. Either way, it's none of my nevermind. Instead, if you need another piece of Scientology-related gossip, take a listen to our mini-bonus episode that was released this week. Though the media and America were accusing Tom and Katie's relationship of being a scam, they barreled on that summer, full steam ahead. In June, Katie converted to Scientology. Barely a week later, Tom proposed at the restaurant in the Eiffel Tower. He presented her with a five-carat yellow diamond ring that I'm guessing he hid in a dinner roll because this guy is basic as hell. According to an interview with Vanity Fair, Tom also read Katie a two-page poem he wrote for her. Can you imagine? Did it rhyme? What were the themes? How would it be graded in an AP English class? I can't think of anything worse than having to look interested while someone reads me a poem they wrote. But apparently, the gesture worked for Katie, and she said yes. In early October of 2005, Tom Cat announced that Katie was pregnant. Tom, ever the weirdo, bought a sonogram for DIY home use, despite real medical doctors advising against it, because too many frequent and unnecessary ultrasounds might cause them to end up with some Chernobyl baby. But, of course, Tom, an armchair expert with a hubris rivaling that of Dax Shepard, figured he knew better. This was only one piece of gossip that surrounded the couple during Katie's pregnancy. Media had realized that based on the writings of L. Ron Hubbard, many Scientologists participated in silent births, which I of course don't need to explain how insane that concept is. It's like, we get it Scientology, you're kooky as fuck, but can you even do one thing normal? In an interview with Diane Sawyer, Tom tries to explain silent births so it sounds a little less Handmaid's Talesy. Give me the quick one-minute version yes. of the silent birth. The, the silent birth. Another controversy. It is all through Scientology books that even unborn children must be protected from negative emotions. There's a rumor that there's even a mouthpiece to keep the mother silent during birth. Photographers captured Scientology posters being carried into his home. Be silent, make movements slow, make gestures slow. What is this about? I, I don't even know those photos. It's basically just respecting the mother, you know? I mean, uh, and helping to be quiet. Not the mother. The mother makes as much noise, and people, you know, she's going no through it. There's no bit in her no, mouth. No, 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 no. no. She goes. Okay. She does what she's got to do, okay? And there's this whole thing that if she needs medicine, she needs medicine. There's no, it's, 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 we're there, you know, with doctors, and there's, you know, whatever needs to be administered, whatever the woman wants. I'm not going to tell Kate, you know, if she needs an epidural, she's going to get her epidural. Uh, it's, and if she's going to make noise, she's going to make noise. But why have other people make noise? You know, you want that area very calm and to make it very special. 
Sure, that sounds a little more civilized, but it is still completely impractical. On April 18th, 2006, Little Surrey Cruz was born into the world, and then she made her public debut in October on the cover of Vanity Fair magazine. She has Kate's lips and eyes, says Tom. I think she looks like Kate. I think she has Tom's eyes, Katie says. I think she looks like Tom. They're both right. If you want to check out a picture of the Vanity Fair cover, you can find it on this podcast's Instagram at LayDoYouRememberThis. You could also Google it, but I'd prefer you go to my Instagram, and I hope you respect my wishes. The Vanity Fair picture captured by Annie Leibovitz is as chic as it is disturbing. It's like a triangle of identical DNA where Tom, Katie, and Suri could all be each other's parents and children. The next step in their windfall of personal life milestones is their wedding in Italy on November 18th, 2006. The wedding took place in a 15th century castle and cost $3 million. Leah Remini was there, Will and Jada, J-Lo and the Beckhams. Shelley Miscavige was not there, which Leah noticed and got in trouble for asking about. Hashtag where's Shelly? The extravagant affair included a performance by Andrea Bocelli, but more importantly, a little show by Tom himself. He performed the song, You've Lost That Loving Feeling, to Katie, a nod to when he performed the song in Top Gun. This wasn't the only time one of them performed for the other in public. In 2010, Katie performed Whatever Lola Wants to Tom Cruise on stage at a Scientology benefit. And this wasn't the first time she performed this song to a crowd. The first time was when she played Lola in her high school performance of Damn Yankees. But I think her finest rendition of this song happened in 2000 on my favorite program and yours, The Rosie O'Donnell Show. You have the red sweater. I have a red boa. John knows the song. Here, no, I have a microphone. There you go. Oh, oh, oh. You can stand if you need to. Whatever Lola wants. Pretty good. Lola Recline yourself, resign yourself, you're through. Beth, you have a good voice, little kid. Thanks. I'm very, very impressed. Do you think I can give Britney Spears a run for her money? Well, I think you could probably do a Broadway show. Oh. Would you be interested in that? Yes, but you would. Little did Rosie know, five years later after that performance, Katie would be married to... Mike Tommy. After the wedding, some of the fanfare that surrounded Tomcat began to settle a bit, though they were always still a major fixture of the tabloids. But in 2008, when a Scientology indoctrination video featuring Tom was leaked by Gawker, it created renewed fodder for the argument that Tom was a kook. Other rumors that gained steam over the course of their marriage was the claim that Tom and Katie had something called a marriage contract, which laid out all the rules she was meant to abide by as a docile Scientology Stepford wife. However, even insiders who have become enemies of Scientology say this isn't true. She likely just signed a non-disclosure agreement Tom required of most women he dated. 
which is still absolutely bonkers, but not unheard of in Los Angeles as further evidenced by Lala Kent and Randall Emmett. In the end, there was another contract that Tom, not Katie, would sign that would end up having the most influence on their marriage. For six years, their marriage trucked along as Katie quietly raised Surrey. Now that her daughter was six, it was about time that she would become a more active member of the church. Soon, she'd have to start getting audited regularly. Katie had held on for as long as she could, but the thought of Surrey becoming indoctrinated during her most formative years was too much. As far as anyone knows, Katie never warned Tom that she had any interest in leaving him probably because a warning like that would cause David Miscavige and their other handlers to try to convince her to stay. Or they'd just throw her in whatever bunker Shelley is being held in. So instead, she kept quiet until June 28, 2012, when she called Tom while he was on set in Iceland, filming stunts for his new movie, Oblivion. He was about to get on his motorcycle when he picked up the phone to hear Katie tell him matter-of-factly that she was leaving him and taking the baby with her. Tom was apparently shocked. His third marriage was over. Interestingly enough, Katie was 33 at the time, the same age as Mimi and Nicole when their marriage to Tom ended. Once Katie filed, the divorce was finalized in only 11 days, which is basically unheard of, especially in California and especially for a wealthy couple. But Katie had planned ahead. She had her father, a prominent divorce attorney, draft an ironclad prenup. One rumored aspect of the prenup stipulated that Katie wouldn't go public with any new relationship for five years after the divorce. Beginning in 2013, it was widely speculated that she was dating Jamie Foxx, who incidentally was Tom's longtime friend and co-star on the 2004 movie Collateral. Then in September 2017, just a little over five years after her divorce, Katie and Jamie were seen holding hands on the beach. Today, Katie seems to be doing just fine, raising her daughter, dating the host of Beat Shazam, and acting regularly. In fact, she has a new film in post-production slated to come out in 2020 called The Secret. Yes, that secret. A narrative movie based on the law of attraction. It was even written by a writer on This Is Us. And it's directed by Andy Tennant, who has created some classics. Please pull your car over. Please sit down and stop cleaning your kitchen because I need to tell you this man has directed It Takes Two, Ever After, Sweet Home Alabama, Fools Rush In, a Matthew Perry Selma Hayek masterpiece, which is only slightly better than the Matthew Perry Nev Campbell masterpiece, Three to Tango. He also directed Hitch and now The Secret. Katie stars opposite Jerry O'Connell and Josh Lucas. It's basically one of those religious movies like Christian Mingle starring Lacey Chabert, except instead of being about a religion, this one's based around a spiritual concept that helps you find parking spaces. But who better to star in such a movie than Katie? She is the queen of the law of attraction. She made Seventeen Magazine her own personal vision board. She put out into the universe that she wanted to marry Tom Cruise, and then within months, she got what she asked for. 
But when Katie and Judy Greer get together with a stack of magazines, poster boards, and Chardonnay, I hope Katie thinks long and hard before she starts glue sticking. Next time, she has to be a little more careful about what she wishes for, because she just might get it. Play Do You Remember This is researched, written, narrated, and edited by me, Darlene. If you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating and review. You can follow the pod on Instagram and iTunes. And please, if you like the podcast, share it. Tell your friends. It's true what they say. It takes a village to make me famous. If you have any questions, comments, or show suggestions, please email this at gmail.com. In next week's episode, we'll be discussing Lindsay Lohan's fuck list. So join us, won't you? We've got a table, and I've put you on the list for Lay Do You Remember This. Bye-bye.